Daniel is one of those um, books. It's in the prophets section in our Bibles. And um, it's, it's got lots to say in our modern world. Uh, it's got a lot to teach us because it, it's about how you live in a culture that doesn't know God. It's about living faithfully when hard-pressed and pressured. Indeed. And uh, from chapter 7 onwards, um, it's like the, the curtains are, are rent. And Daniel, that we've got to know, and his friends, changes tack and he, he sees and he declares and he envisions, envisions for us the Lord of time, the Lord of all peoples and places. And it's mysterious and profound and searching. And it's good to have those two things in mind of, of how discipleship works in the now. Faithfulness to God in, in a land and time of challenge. But also mindful that all that we see is not all that is real. There is more. There is God. Chapter 3. Let's read. I'm sure you're perhaps familiar with this. If you've never heard it, you will. King Nebuchadnezzar, who was uh, the emperor, the leader of the Babylonians, feared man, violent man. King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold 60 cubits high and 6 cubit wide, 90 feet and about 9 feet wide, big and set it up on the plain of Jura in the province of Babylon. He then summoned the satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all other provincial officials to come to the dedication of the image he had set up. So the satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other provincial officials assembled for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And they stood before it. The great and the good. I once had to do a, a civic service in Leicester uh, for, the, for the Braunston town mayor. It was his induction. And I'd never seen so many chains and chauffeur-driven cars of all these mayors and dignitaries coming. The satraps, prefect. Anyway. <laughs> then they, the herald loudly proclaimed, nations and peoples of every language, this is what you are commanded to do. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music. Daniel likes having lists, doesn't he? And all kinds of music. You must fall down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. Therefore, as soon as they heard the sound of the harp, flute, zither, lyre, and harp, and all kinds of music, all the nations and peoples of every language fell down and worshipped the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. At this time, some astrologers came forward and denounced the Jews. They said to the king, to King Nebuchadnezzar, May the king live forever. Your majesty has issued a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music must fall down and worship the image of gold. And that whoever does not fall down and worship will be thrown into a blazing furnace. But there are some Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon. 
Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to you, your majesty. They neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold you have set up. Furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king, and Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold that I have set up? Now when you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown into the, immediately into the blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And his attitude towards them changed. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual. And he commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So these men wearing their robes, trousers, turbans, and other clothes were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. The king's command was so urgent and the furnace so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leapt to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, weren't there three men that were tied up, we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, certainly, your majesty. He said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out. Come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire. And the satraps, prefects, governors, and royal advisors crowded around them. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair on their head singed. Their robes were not scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their god. Therefore I decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be cut into pieces and their houses be turned into piles of rubble, for no other God can save in this way. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. It doesn't tell us what they thought. Jesus, a remarkable story. Fills us with amazement, maybe skepticism. 
but it seems, though rooted a long time ago, really relevant. As long as we go with the prevailing culture, it'll be fine. As long as we don't cut across the grain. As long as we play the world's game, it shall be fine, but don't pledge allegiance and loyalty and dedication to the one true God. For those of us who are praying for the persecuted church, we know this story isn't glib and isn't just an easy fix to the rule of dictators and oppressors, persecutors. Some are rescued, some aren't. But we thank you for the faith that we are living witnesses to. And the scriptures testify that even should we die, the Lord will rescue us. May these scriptures help us 2017, this night, this week, this month, this life. Amen. Amen. Two Christmases ago, I bought the um, shortened version of the, the biography of David Livingston. I actually bought two, so I've got a spare one if you'd like it. I don't know why I bought two. I was going to give it to someone, but never got around to it. A friend. Uh, David Livingston was an explorer, an adventurer, a Christian, a missionary. He was a doctor, a medical career in Scotland. He renounced it, much to the consternation of his family, in order to go to the interior of Africa. He worked, and his work opened up that country uh, for missionary activity and for trade that bro- broke the stranglehold of slave traders that. Uh, they had on those people uh, that he was one of those pioneers along with, with others who were adamant that slavery was more than unjust but evil. In the course of his life, he was attacked and maimed by a lion. His home was destroyed during the Boer War. His body was often racked by fever and dysentery and his wife died whilst out in Africa. Someone once told him, Dr. Livingston, you must have sacrificed a lot for the gospel. His response was this, sacrifice? The only sacrifice is to live outside the will of God. How was it that this man and others that may be nameless, but we hear their stories, how is it that they can endure hardship over such long periods of time? Uh, Someone indeed asked him that, how do you keep going? How do you keep going when it is so tough? And he replied with the words that he had kept close to his heart and remembered from Matthew 28, 20. And they only had the King James Version then, so you'll forgive me for quoting from that. Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. He once said, without Christ, not one step with him anywhere. From David Livingston, the presence of Christ made every difference. That helped him even when the pain of separation from loved ones was acute, when he was faced with physical sickness and all other trials that he had that he faced were bearable because he knew, lo, I am with you always, even unto the very end of the world. 
And Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego also made that wonderful discovery of God's presence while they were in the flames. But before that, they had to face the angry dictator. They were brought before Nebuchadnezzar. They were ratted on. They were informed on. Informants said, ha there are some amongst who are rebelling, disobedient. And yet, these three, we don't know where Daniel is at this time, but these three um, were maintaining their faith. They uh, were maintaining integrity, and they were called out for it. Nebuchadnezzar was furious with them. His attitude changed. He ordered the furnace to be fired up seven times hotter than usual. Commanded some of the strongest soldiers in the army to bind them securely and tip them into the flaming furnace. Why? Because Nebuchadnezzar feels humiliated and his authority is being challenged. You see, in a nutshell, that is so often what is at the heart of that call to faithful obedience to the one true God, which from time to time causes us to be recognized as in defiance of the world and its ideas. Someone said, go across the grain of the universe and you will get splinters. In a world opposed to God's way, those who fully obey him will often be accused of treachery. They'll be seen as undermining the order of rebellious, of anti-the-nation. And yet Jesus said and told us as followers, no servant is greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. I watched um, uh, recently, uh, and someone told me I, was, I, I shouldn't watch these films on my own. Have you seen the film The Silence? No. Martin Scorsese. Phil wants to see it. Martin Scorsese uh, directed it, and it was uh, a film from last year. It's Liam Neeson is one of the starring characters. And it's, um, it's a story about Japanese mission in the 16th century and uh, of how the gospel was taken to Japan and how the culture of, uh, of, of the Japanese society sought to stamp out the Christian witness. And it's about the priests, Liam Neeson, one of them, and, and two others who travel from Portugal to find him. And of the challenge of believing, the challenge of being remaining true, and what happens if you deny Jesus? And the Japanese were adamant to say, this Christianity is not Japanese. It is against our ideals. It will not root itself. You are dissidents. You are not welcome. It's very interesting that that one of the the phrases, the names for early Christians, and still is carried by some, particularly in America and other places, sojourners. Have you ever heard that word? It's a funny word. Those who are passing through. Those who don't belong just here, but are travelers to a different destination. Some of the greatest acts of obedience to God earn 
us punishment and rejection in the here and now. Turn up the oven seven times hotter. Maybe additional bellows were brought in with the strongest soldiers employed uh, to, to get their airflow going and the furnace was raging. Even those who were commissioned to chip tuck, tip them in kind of got caught up in the heat, burned to death. And in verse 23 it could be the end of the story. And these three men, fell t- firmly tied, fell into this super hot, flaming pit. Sometimes discipleship costs. Costs ultimately. Costs massively. We're on Saturday going to go and hear some of, of the stories of the persecuted church. And for many in parts of the world, that is the end of their story. have tipped into the abyss, and it seems that the powers prevail. But not so. It isn't the end. In verse 24, uh, there's a new and exciting part of the story, unexpected. Nebuchadnezzar leaps to his feet. I mean, he's a funny character, isn't he? making a big statue and demanding loyalty and obedience and and calling out all the officials to gather around him and all the musical instruments and uh, and because of three people, throws them into their fiery doom. But sees not just three but four and is astonished and the bonds uh, that, that bound them are gone and they're walking around in the fire. And the fourth character, we're, we're told kind of slightly mysteriously, uh, is unharmed and looks like the, a son of the gods. Two miracles taking place. Three people unharmed and the fourth person like the son of the gods. We don't know who that identity is, but uh, there are, is speculation. And, and it is probably here um, a kind of pre-incarnate appearance of the son of God, Jesus. But Nebuchadnezzar doesn't know who Jesus is, but sees another. Can't really say who it is amongst the flames and the smoke. But Nebuchadnezzar discerns enough to know that this looks like a divine being. Maybe Jesus, maybe an angel. But the veil between the physical and the very real flame and smoke and burning torn apart. And the reality of heaven close by. God expressing his solidarity with his three faithful servants. Just uh, earlier in Isaiah, uh, in, uh, in the kind of history of the Old Testament, Isaiah 43 says this, When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego didn't escape the flames, but were delivered through them, from them, from the midst of them. After they had expressed their fearless, courageous commitment to God and said, we will not, we will not rescind or deny our faith in the one true God. 
I'm sure their hearts were beating when they were tipped over the edge. I'm sure all those others that we've heard of, who've breathed in their last, Lord, forgive them, they don't know what they're doing. They were exercising faith, understanding to the last the cost of obedience to God. But they certainly weren't keeping out of trouble. They certainly weren't ducking down below the parapet. They were outed as being believers. The challenge for us as we walk in obedience in our society in this day and age is to keep stepping out in faith, and it should be noticed. To Timothy, Paul writes to his young friend, in fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Someone described it like this. Our problems become means to God's deliverances. That's what makes life meaningful and exciting. Our job is a danger-filled joy. We go to battle for God's kingdom and fight against evil. We're bruised, but we also experience God's healing touch. We are brought to situations of great need, but those open the floodgates of God's provision. We are rejected by people, but that opens the door to God's nearness and comfort. Let me ask you, is your faith boring just now is it same old put your head above the parapet and step out in faith put Jesus at the heart go against the grain not to be obnoxious and rude and and difficult to make a scene but put him first why because God is with us God was with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego as they stood before the emperor Nebuchadnezzar and they made their declaration. And God was with them in their most trying hour. And still, that message of assurance for us, not necessarily in the furnace, but in the workplace, in the classroom, in our neighborhood, in our marriages, with our families. God wants us to know that he is with us and for us and supporting us. It might come through reading a passage of scripture in in devotions and and you find it speaks directly to your present situation and you're kind of thrilled to know that he knows you and the spirit is at work with you. Maybe it's not every day that that happens, but please do. Do feed on the word. It may come from an assurance of God's presence through a letter or a kind word from someone who speaks into your situation or or from a particularly timely help, financial provision when you're in, in desperate need or some timing, some remarkable coincidence that ministers to your needs and all bear the stamp of the comfort of the Lord. That God cares for us. We have the courage to go on, to step out in faith with a joy, with a resolute assurance that we can face the pain and the challenge and think this is no sacrifice. God is with me. God is with me. Do not be afraid. And even though you may seem all alone, maybe the only one in your place of work or in the family as a committed Christian standing alone, Others may not understand or appreciate you, what you're trying to do. They may even oppose it, but Jesus is with you. 
And there's something about that commitment of those three young men. Their commitment, their refusal to compromise that changes the world. Nebuchadnezzar, self-centered, despot, dictator. His attitude, his worldview is changed. He, he approaching the opening of the blazing furnace shouts, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out. Come here. Do you hear that? Servants of the Most High God, greater than the gods he had called them to serve. He just dedicated that big statue of his own God. And he declares that the God of the Jews, these three, is greater than, more supreme. How did he get there? He gives the reason when he next speaks. These three young men have, in the meantime, come out of the furnace. And the people have seen that they've not even been harmed, not even the smell of smoke. Do you remember those days when you used to go to the pub when there was smoking in it? No, never. We never went to the pub. You can never wear the clothes again unless they were washed. Go to Europe, it's still there, some places. Or uh, we grew up, autumn burning leaves. You know when the smell, you've been in the fire. Not these three. Nebuchadnezzar says, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angels and rescued his servants. And then he mentions what really impressed him. They trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god other than their own god. The persecutor sees the commitment of the persecuted and connects it with the miracle performed by God. And that combination of faithfulness and commitment with their rescue, drives him to praise God, to acknowledge him. They can't but help notice. And that's the challenge for us in this culture in this day and age, of not to be ugly and rude to people, about people judging them, condemning, pointing the finger, but living a life that shines with grace and truth. Living a life that is endearing and holy, that is set apart, yet attractive. I was having this conversation with, with uh, Phil and Jamie the other day, and we were, we were saying, you know, why is it that the church is, you know, is always seen as against? And you know the hot topics of the day. And I was thinking about it, and I was thinking, well, all those who the church would hold at arm's length and still be seen as unwelcome here seem to be the people that would flock to Jesus and say, I want to be with you, Jesus. There's something about Jesus' deep integrity and holiness and godliness and way of walking before his Father with blamelessness, utter holiness, yet still saying, come, Come to me, all who are weak and burdened and broken, come. See, that's the challenge for us. In dedicating our life, not pointing to others to say how terrible your life is, but see the grace of God and what a life set apart looks like. Seeing in us the commitment that makes us willing to sacrifice our very lives for the sake of this one true God. Being willing to be challenged for that commitment and count the cost, yes. 
but live for him no matter what. I think over time, people begin to see that this is a life worth living. They may laugh and mock and scorn and deride, but the character of testimony and living witness is undeniable. You see, when people get disillusioned with the way this world works and its hollow promises and broken aspirations, people begin to look elsewhere for meaning. And the question is, when they look, do they see? See it lived out. Christians caught up in the same rat race as the rest of the society or living a different way. Will they see us refusing to help others because so wrapped up in ourselves? Are we putting others down because we want to be raised to the top? Are we just living out the society's ways in all the multiplicity of that, of greed and a desire for success and popularity and and instant gratification? Will they see people of God, churches, living out a simple, holy life? I hope that that's what they see. I hope that's what is discerned. There's a story of, um, of a preacher from an early generation, and, and he was in the South Sea Islands. And there was a missionary bishop called John Selwyn. And as John Selwyn taught, there was a boy from one of the islands that came from a very barbarous, violent community and society. And one day, the bishop, uh, John Selwyn, had to rebuke him sternly for his bad behavior. And the boy instantly flew flew into a rage and struck the bishop strongly on his face. And the bishop said nothing but turned away and walked quietly off. The boy's behavior grew from bad to worse until he had to return to his own island. He was excluded, sent away as incorrigible. And he lapsed into the debasements and the wild living of the people amongst whom he lived. Anyway, the clock rolls forward many years later. A missionary goes to that island and he's summoned to visit a sick and dying man. And it was that student of of Bishop Selwyn's who'd grown up dying, lying on a bed. And he said to the missionary who'd come, I want to be baptized as a Christian. After the preparation was done, he was baptized. The missionary asked him whether he wanted to take a new name to mark his conversion. Call me John Selwyn, the dying man replied, because he taught me what Christ was like that day when I struck him. It's not easy, but we're called to follow. It's not easy, but we are assured he is with us. Obedience to God sometimes takes us down, not up in earthly kingdoms. But the kingdom of God, is, which is where progress really matters, is from the perspective of eternity. And obedience always takes us higher and higher in experiencing the joy of the Lord and higher in, le- in, in yielding fruit that lasts. 
because the eyes are fixed and the heart is resolute. He is with us. God is with us. In an age of compromise and challenge, in a time where we are more and more called to be seen, to be separate and set apart. Walking and following the Lord. Let's pray together.